Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalms 138 and 146, beginning on page 513. I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. Even before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name because of thy loving kindness and truth. For thou hast magnified thy name and thy word above all things. When I called upon thee, thou heardest me and endewest my soul with much strength. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, for they have heard the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing the ways of the Lord, that great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. As for the proud, he beholdeth them afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, yet shalt thou refresh me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy right hand upon the furiousness of mine enemies and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord shall make good his loving kindness toward me. Yea, thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Despise not then the works of thine own hands. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. Yea, as long as I have any being, I will sing praises unto my God. O oh, put not your trust in princes, nor in any child of man, for there is no help in them. For when the breath of man goes forth, he shall turn again to his earth, and then all his thoughts perish. Blessed is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, 
and whose hope is in the Lord his God. Who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, who keepeth his promise forever. Who helpeth them to right that suffer wrong, who feedeth the hungry. The Lord looseth men out of prison, and the Lord giveth sight to the blind. The Lord helpeth them that are fallen, the Lord careth for the righteous. The Lord careth for the strangers, he defendeth the fatherless and widow. As for the way of the ungodly, he turneth it upside down. The Lord thy God, O Sion, shall be king for evermore, and throughout all generations. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the third chapter of the book of Esther. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened, when they spoke to him daily, and he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman, to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman, Haman was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were with, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast Pur, that is the lot, before Haman, to determine the day and the month, until it fell on the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work, to bring it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, The money and the people are given to you, to do with them as seems good to you. Then the king's scribes were called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and a decree was written according to all that Haman commanded, to the king's satraps, to the governors who were over each province, to the officials of all people, to every province according to its script, and to every people in their language. In the name of King Ahasuerus it was written, and sealed with the king's signet ring. Here ends the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. 
He, remembering his mercy, hath holpen his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers, Abraham and his seed, forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 28th chapter of the book of Acts. Now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome, because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bun bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled round and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Puteoli, where we found brethren, and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appi Forum and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Here ends the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state and mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. 
For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O God, whose never-failing providence ordereth all things both in heaven and earth, we humbly beseech thee to put away from us all hurtful things, and to give us those things which are profitable for us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Light in our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Evening, everyone. During our lessons tonight, in the through the lens of the Psalms, Psalm one thirty eight is a you know very likely an exilic psalm, which is a way of saying that it's a a song reflective of, if not composed during the exile from Judea, from the temple city in Jerusalem. And this is one of the ways we account for the language of turning towards the holy temple of God, which took to be a practice in the exile period. And any time the Jews were in a diaspora situation of being sent away from the temple city, um, it, you know, this is reflected in other sort of religious practices of orienting oneself toward um, a holy place. Um, and so not being able to access the temple, one could still turn and face in the direction of the temple and still pray towards the temple. Um, and it was a way of um, sort of vicariously experiencing the uh, nearness to God by being turned toward it. But of course, in the Psalms, um, you know, turning toward as it as it continues to be in the New Testament also also is a an image of repentance. Um, to be turned is to uh, turned again is to what it means to repent to turn again. Um, sometimes it can also refer to a changing of the mind, but it's um, it's meant to be understood more in a more embodied way through the embodied image of of turning away from one thing and turning toward another thing. That's a one of the most obvious ways you can show that someone has changed course is if they are literally going in a different direction. Um, and so to be oriented towards the house of God, regardless from what everyone was doing, was a way of acknowledging the centrality of where one's God is um, in the midst of these things. And that's reflected in the the kind of the praise um, that's offered in in um, Psalm 146, which is one part of the closing sequence of the Psalter. Um, these great kind of praise the Lord um, psalms at the end that 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 end the Psalter. Um, you have in the midst of this 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 notion that throughout all generations um, that God has been this consistent um, you know presence uh, to all the faithful throughout all generations, and so. Uh, while we can detect in Psalm 138 this um, kind of um, within our own generation, um, the, a, a place to turn and be turned toward to find God in our midst, um, which is the pre prevailing image of that psalm. The second image in Psalm 146 is this image of throughout all of time, there is this kind of you can kind of be turned from any age and behold God. Um, and so he is this consistent sort of axis um, this axle uh, along which the kind of turning of the world is. He is the center and circumference 
of all things. And so he can be found regardless of what age we're in. He's not uh, temporalized in the sense of he was a big deal back in the Middle Ages and he's no longer, you know, what he once was. God remains consistent and steadfast. But that also means that in every age, we can look to any age and find the mighty hand of God at work. Um, and so an interesting parallel set of examples of that in ways that that's, um, that's embodied is um, first in the example of Queen Esther. Um, as we've been tracking the story of Esther, and I, I just lament that we don't get nearly enough of the story of Queen Esther um, in our lectionary readings, but we'll have to do our best. Uh, we have the situation of what is really kind of a generational and, and ancestral animosity at play here in chapter three. We have Haman the Agagite, um, which is a terribly difficult name to say. Uh, it is referring, they refer to him this way very deliberately to uh, indicate that Haman is, is believed in, in, you know, is believed to be a descendant of an Agagite, which is not a Babylonian a, or a Persian. Um, he's not part of the, lo the local people among whom the Jews have been exiled. Rather, he is descended from this ancient um, sort of tribe of people uh, under, who are represented by King Agag, which means he, he's an Amalekite. Um, and so where we, where we say he's an Agagite is he goes back to the time of King Agag, who was, who, was, who was the king at the same time that King Saul was the king. And Saul was commissioned to go and wipe out the Amalekites. And King Agag made a deal with Saul and offered him some of the spoils of his people if he would spare his life. Of course, when we know when he comes back to camp dragging the king, uh, the prophet Samuel immediately executes him because that was the Lord's order, was to execute King Agag. Um, and so there's, it goes back to that. But then the Amalekites themselves go back even further. And they're said to be a, a, a tribe descended from Amalek, who was said to be a grandson of Esau. Um, who was opposed to his brother Jacob. And so we go back to the very beginning of Israel here um, in this in this ancestral animosity. Um, and so what do we make of that? Why is that a significant thing here? Is that you see in the stakes at play in the court of Ahasuerus um, and, the, and, and the Queen Esther are much more long, like widespread and much more um, sort of, they go back way further than just um, the Im the immediate condition of Haman being, um, enraged that someone of a particular ethnic group is not paying him proper honor. Now, we'll also recall, though, that the reason why he's not paying him proper honor is because, like the psalmist in 138, he is turned towards the temple of his God, and he refuses to pay uh, homage, a kind of devotional homage to any man, um, and seeing that as properly only reserved for his God. Uh, and so this is a habit among the Jews. We'll recall in the book of Daniel that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they refused to bow, bow in a similar way and, and to pay homage to the, to the sort of the trappings of royal and quasi-divine power in the court of Babylon and Persia. Uh, and so what's at play here is this, is the, is this very thing, is that um, you know, Mordecai is turned towards the house of God. He pays an honor to it that cannot be paid to anyone else, but Haman demands it. And it's not just him, it's also indicative of this kind of, this generational um, war that has gone on between the people of God and the people that are seeking to destroy the people of God. Uh, and so this, so what, what's at stake here in the faithfulness of Esther and in the animosity of Haman and in the faithfulness of Mordecai is more than just the things that concern them. This is also part of that pattern that as, 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 as generations have sought to be faithful in and among the midst of antagonism and pressure to conform and to just pay, you know, pay the local thing his, his sort of his, his due so he can get off your back about this. 
No, what, what, what is accessed in Mordecai's refusal is Haman's, is a, is a kind of wrathful response that cannot be accounted for necessarily by just the ego of one man. It is fed uh, because we know this about him. We can, we have to read it as it being fed by this kind of, this ancient pattern of, you know, the people of God and then the, the people that are opposed to the one true God. And so there's that, there's, there's that dynamic at play there. And it's reflected again, paralleled in the story of St. Paul. Again, the, you know, St. Paul is in this condition of imprisonment. Um, he gets shipwrecked. He gets bitten by a viper uh, on the beach where he's shipwrecked um, in a place where there's not many vipers. This is not Snake Island from, you know, planet Earth. This is a, this is a, this is a place where uh, Malta is not a place where many venomous serpents are said to be known, even in the ancient world. Uh, and so the fact that he's bitten by this, everyone attributes it to God really hates this guy. Um, like clearly justice is against him. And this could not be further from the truth. It's actually St. Paul is much beloved by God. He's the reason why God has spared the entire ship and that he's going very deliberately to Rome to have a court to, to speak in the court of the emperor. Um, and the more he's getting towards that, the more to the eyes of the world, this would be a sign that, you know, this guy is doomed, right? This guy has a terrible doom that's been sentenced over him by the gods. Nevertheless, the closer he gets to this fate in Rome, the more he is actually, you know, sort of luminous in all of this, the more he sees the hand of God at play in this. And that would be similar to how we see in Esther in the chapters that follow that with this, this proclamation that all the Jews are to be destroyed uh, to, to sate the wrath of Haman. Nevertheless, this is playing exactly into the same kind of disastrous habit that the Amalekites have always had against Israel. They continually try to play this game where they, they use subterfuge and subtlety to curse the people of God. And in doing so, they bring destruction upon themselves. And this is going to continue to be a case of that. And so as we look at this, um, we, we're, we're privy and privileged to have a pattern set before us that should illuminate our vision, that helps us to see and make sense of things in our own moments, not in a kind of specious way where we overly associate whoever the person is we don't like in our life right now with Haman, the Agagite, saying it must be this ancient spiritual evil. Not that at all. Instead, we're to see that the focal point of all of these stories, including the Psalms, which is that to remain oriented towards the house of God, the, the dwelling place of God, and to remain faithful to that, to remain unturned by any of the noise and spectacle of the world, that is actually what biblical faithfulness really means. And that continues to be what Christian faithfulness actually means. Most of the New Testament is an exhortation not to get just your vision dragged to the left or right. Keep your eyes fixed on the ascended Lord Jesus. And don't let the spectacle of the world distract you or divert you from that. That is what the Bible's message to us in general is. And that's what it is tonight. Um, and so as we do, we close with those words of, you know, we, we, we have to close again with those words in Psalm 138. Like, I, 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 will, I will turn. I will turn again. And I will, I will look towards your holy temple. And that the enduring, uh, the love of our Lord endures forever. And that's where we will see it if we do that. Continuing with our intercession on page 590. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. The light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, 
and so ruled our hearts and strengthened their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Give grace, O Heavenly Father, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. And thanks to Aaliyah, my co-leader. Hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Yeah. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much. Have a good Friday night. Good night, everybody. Good night.